0: Welcome to r/slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r pro revenge. Our next Reddit post is from deleted. I moved from the Toronto area back up north in 2007. In 2008, we bought a home on a four-acre forested lot from the original owner. Through conversations with the original owner, I remember him muttering something about how the neighbor to the north had their driveway awful close to the property line. I thought no more about it until later that fall. Our neighbor's hilt was built slab on grade, and the builder must have messed up or not properly installed any drainage on the gravel pad. Every time it rained, they got water into their ground floor, an inconvenience to say the least, but not my problem. That is, until the neighbor rented an excavator and had a deep ditch dug all along the side of his driveway, dumping all of the rocks and spoil from the excavation onto our property. We also lost a number of trees, these all being mature black maple sugar bush trees. I was getting concerned. We had problems with a jerk neighbor in Toronto and ended up having to get a survey and put up a fence. I wasn't going to lose any sleep worrying about it this time. I called for a surveyor to get this over with. It turns out that the Ontario land surveyor firm that I called were the ones who surveyed the development when it was built 10 years earlier. They had no trouble mapping out how and where the neighbor's driveway for over 100 feet arced up to 12 feet onto our property, never mind the rocks and dirt in the bush beyond that. I sent a registered letter with a copy of the surveyor's findings and a polite letter to the neighbor. With registered letters, you have to sign to pick it up. They received it, but didn't respond. I waited a month and then sent another registered letter. That one wasn't picked up and was returned to me. Yeah, that should work. If I don't receive the letter, everything will just go away. In way of explanation, this neighbor was a successful local businessman and in smaller communities, some of them tend to think that they're a bit special and can make their own rules. I learned from the jerk neighbor in Toronto that there's not much point in trying to discuss things personally. We have a system, let's use it. The next letter that was sent to them was from a real estate law firm and they know the right language to use and how to get someone's attention. Surprise, that one not only gets picked up, but we receive a letter from their lawyer. They freely admit that they're at fault and will make everything right. Except, they don't. They don't do anything for the next three years. Absolutely nothing. I started receiving expert advice from some of my friends. OP, you should fix it at your own cost and then sue them for that amount. Uh, well, what if they claim they could have fixed it a lot cheaper or I did a bunch of things that weren't needed? OP, you should charge them for all the trees they cut down and make them replace them. Yeah, but we do live in the forest, and trees aren't really hard to find. In fact, we cut down trees that got too big and close to the house. It's not like we're in the big city. I decided to do nothing. After the angst and sleepless nights with the jerks in Toronto, I decided to just wait it out. After all, they've admitted fault through their own lawyer. It's not like they can wiggle out of that one and change their minds. I learned that the neighbor's wife hates living in the forest and would much rather have a fancy house in town. And with the water problem that's never been resolved, it just isn't as much fun as they thought it would be. Four years later, and I got what I was waiting for. A realtors for sale sign in front of their house. I stop and take a picture of the sign so that I have the phone number of the listing agent. I call them as soon as I get to work. Hi, this is OP. I see that you're listing a property at such and such location. You may not be aware of this, but your client is trespassing on my property. Of course, the neighbor can't pretend that this isn't true, and now they have to clean up the mess to our satisfaction before the property can be sold. Oh my, the five-yard dump trucks ran for close to three weeks. They hauled load after load after load of topsoil. It had to be dumped, spread out, and compacted. The gravel driveway had to be dug up and pulled back to their property line, and all of that filled in as well. In the end, it was all seeded with the understanding that it will eventually be back to being a forest. They asked if it was okay now, and I said, not quite yet. It looks like there's still a lot of work to do. All the weeping tile, rocks, and piles of dirt were removed as well. Not a job easily done, and very time-consuming. Don't get mad. Wait, then get even. OP, I'm glad that you got your justice, but it wounds my very soul that you didn't go after those trees. A mature tree is worth like $50,000. You could have literally retired from that. Our next Reddit post is from the Kung Fu Panda. 13 years ago, I was in my late teens, living on my own, and really struggling to live financially. One of the few possessions I had was an old laptop. My laptop had stopped working properly, and while I'm fairly proficient in using a computer, I had no idea about fixing them. I did a bit of searching on the internet, but couldn't get it working, so I asked my stepdad to take a look. He takes a quick look and says that it's screwed, but he'll take it off my hands if I don't want it, and I said sure. If it's broken, then it's no good to me. Ten minutes later, I walk into the room, and he's using it. I asked if he fixed it, and he says, yeah, thanks for the laptop. I was obviously pissed. My mom says that she wasn't getting involved, and his only response was that he did a quick internet search to find the fix, and I could have done the same. I was broke, and he took one of my only possessions, even though he had a PC and a laptop already. A few months later, I was visiting my mom and stepdad when I had an idea. While I'm useless with computers, I'm very competent with mechanics. Specifically, Audis, and my stepdad had a 2001 Audi A3. Before coming in the house, I went under his car and unplugged the oil level sensor and a backline for the turbo. Later on that day, he went to go to the shop or something, and when he started the car, it threw up oil warning lights on the dash and it wouldn't boost, so he turned it off and had a look of concern on his face. I went out to ask him what's up, and he said that something had gone majorly wrong. He says something along the lines of catastrophic turbo failure or engine failure. He's already spent quite a bit on repairs and didn't want to spend any more on it so he spoke to my mom about just cutting his losses and scrapping it. I asked him how much it's worth at the scrapyard and he says a 100 pounds. So I ever so graciously offer 120 pounds to take it off his hands to maybe part it out which he accepts. He signed over the title and wrote me a receipt of purchase and handed the keys over. I walked outside, lifted the hood, pretended to look at my phone for a minute, went under the car, and plugged the vac line and oil sensor back in, fired it straight up, and drove around the block. When I got back, I gave him a thumbs up and said it's all fine now. His mouth was wide open and he was mega pissed. And my reply was, you could have found the solution too with a quick internet search. He tried arguing that it wasn't fair and if it's working then I can't just take his car. But I just said that he didn't have a problem tricking me out of my laptop and that he's already signed the car over to me so tough luck. My mom kind of laughed and said that she's not getting involved and that it was his own fault. I still have his car to this day and it's practically in showroom conditions and runs sweet. As said by I love Scrabble down in the comments, his stepdad used to own the car, but now it's just some Audi that he used to own. Our next Reddit post is from Peter Demacki. This is a story from my mom when she used to work for her dad's company. I'm not really sure whether this belongs here or malicious compliance, but whatever. The year is 2004, and my grandfather on my mom's side was a physicist and had developed a way of making these machines that made silicon wafers that were used for making microchips. Back then, it was cutting-edge technology in the microchip field. My grandfather's company made the machines that made these wafers in a way that no other companies could. Anyway, my mom handles orders of these machines. One machine in particular was supposed to go to this one technology company based in Korea. They had purchased a machine that made one specific kind of chip. That machine was worth two million dollars. So there was lots of communication, obviously, on the machine's exact specifications. Well, the communications director for the Korean company was this preppy little douchebag we'll call Douchebag. Douchebag gives my mom's company the exact specifications for the machine and a down payment of $500,000 or so to make the machine. So the company makes the machine and ships it to Korea with an engineer to set it up when they get there. At 3 o'clock in the morning, my mom gets a call from Douchebag in bad English. He basically tells my mom that we needed to include some feature with it that he claimed he asked for, he didn't, and he's not sending out the remaining 1.5 million dollars. My mom is confused at first and then asks to speak with his manager. He keeps saying no. So then she asks if she's on speakerphone and if the engineer, Glenn, is in the room. The answer is yes to both. She then tells Glenn to put the machine to sleep and get on the next flight home. Putting the machine to sleep basically makes it inert, as you may have guessed. Only our engineers could turn the machine back on. She then asks if Glenn understood her, and Glenn says yes. Then she hears some hushed talking. Glenn later told me that another Korean guy was asking Douchebag if Douchebag know what my mom said. Douchebag did not. The other Korean guy tells Douchebag, and Douchebag starts to yell at my mom, and my mom hangs up. 20 minutes later, the phone rings again, and it's Douchebag's manager. Douchebag was fired after the machine went to sleep and Glenn left the building. Glenn was almost at the airport when my mom called him, explained, and told him to go back. The $1.5 million was released and all ended well, except for Douchebag. Our next Reddit post is from Abort Implode. Two years ago, I started a distance PhD program. My very first full semester in the program consisted of an intro course, which was basically, welcome back to school, here's how to do research, here's how to do APA citations. A lot of it focused on proper APA writing and one of the first assignments was just doing a simple abstract. Okay, I can do that. I pull out my trusty APA guide which I just bought online to complete the assignments and I got a D minus. I was utterly shocked. I'd followed the book to the letter. How the hell did I get a D minus? I messaged my professor and told her I followed the book exactly and she did the academic equivalent of patting me on the head and saying, of course you did dear. By this time, I was thinking I was out of my mind. I sent a strongly worded letter to the APA that basically said, what the hell is wrong with you guys selling a book like this? They wrote back and did the business equivalent of patting me on the head and saying, we're sorry you didn't like our book. Then I started really looking at the book, and I started noticing a lot of typos. Eventually, everything clicked and I realized, holy cow, these are optical character recognition errors. This is a scanned and reprinted counterfeit textbook. So I took a bunch of pictures of the errors and did what any good internet user would. I scribbled on them in MS Paint with red arrows, put snarky captions on them, and uploaded them. My first thought was, wow, this poor seller got taken advantage of by whoever printed their books. In retrospect, this was probably stupidly naive, but that seems to be a common theme in my life. So I wrote them a very polite email and sent them the photos of the book and said, I think you might have been provided a pirated version of the book. Well, the seller didn't appreciate that and sent me back a super nasty email saying that my suggestion that they were selling counterfeits was very offensive. All their books were brand new from the publishers, and that I was a B word, and they were going to report me to the police for slander. Okay, I was pretty upset about the terrible grade, but you wrote me back and swore at me and threatened to report me to the police? Now I'm pissed. I start by looking up their Amazon seller profile, and I notice a couple of other people have reported that books received from this seller were missing pages or had other unusual issues. This is the part where I went full internet stalker. I searched for their company name and found it was registered LLC. I got the address from their state's listing of small business registrations, which turned out to be a fairly nice-looking house per Google Maps. Then I looked up property tax records on the house to get the owner's name. I found the owner on Facebook and found they had a business website listed under a completely different name, and they'd shared all over their Facebook timeline, and their website was pretty blatant about the whole thing. We offer you deeply discounted prices by having books printed on demand. Um, I don't think that's how publishing works. I reported them to Amazon, and A Books, and Biblio, and eBay. Basically, anywhere I could find them selling anything at all, I reported them. I wrote to the APA and apologized for my terse email and sent them copies of the photos of the book along with all the seller's personal information. They respond and say they're going to send it to their legal folks and ask if it's okay to contact me for more info. Finally, I report them to the FBI Internet Crime Complaint Center. Today, I happened upon my old APA manual and I started wondering whatever happened to them. So I dug up the emails with the info and went looking. They no longer have seller profiles on any of the sites. Their website's been taken over by a domain reseller. The house appears to have been sold last year, which may not be related, but I'd like to think it is. And the owner's Facebook page lists them as now working at a place that turns out to be a payday lender. I dug through their timeline and found someone asking in October of last year if they were still selling books and then replying with, no, had to stop. Also, my professor raised my grade to a B+. And OP includes a screenshot of an email from the professor. OP, given your situation with the counterfeit APA manual, I'll adjust your abstract grade when I return home next week. Thank you for going to the trouble of figuring it all out. And to think, all this guy had to do was be nice and apologetic in the email that he sent to OP. If he had just sent OP a refund, then he'd probably still be making counterfeit books and bringing in the cash hand over fist. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, then check out my Patreon where I publish extra podcast episodes. Also, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.